Welcome to the Ditch Your Diet podcast. I'm your host, Kerry Williams, certified life and weight loss coach. And here on this podcast, we talk all about giving up the struggle with food, weight, and your body. We also ponder that all-important question, why is it that we know what we should be doing, but we don't eat the foods that we know we should? So follow along if you want to tick weight loss off your to-do list for good so that you can focus on the things that really matter in life. Let's talk about your brain's role in weight loss. So I was reflecting on my journey recently of being a natural health practitioner and how I used to think about weight loss at that point in time. So having come from a place of on my personal journey, being a yo-yo dieter and doing all sorts of different diets. I think before I started um, studying natural health, I was doing things like Atkins and um, all sorts of kind of South Beach diets and things like that. Um, And I came into studying natural health at that point in time thinking classic diet mentality, like we've all been trained over time because our society believes and thinks this, right? That, you know, weight loss is all about what goes into the body, what comes out of the body, how much you're exercising, calories in, calories out. And when I came into practicing um, and studying natural health, I started thinking in a a slightly different way. See, I used to think weight loss was all about getting everything right in your body in terms of the digestive system, in terms of detoxing your liver, getting your hormones in balance. And all of this is still very relevant and I believe very true, but it's so focused on the physical. So it made a lot of sense to me, you know, if you're eating the right foods, if you're absorbing all the right nutrients, if you're not having too much toxicity in your body, you're well nourished, you won't get the food cravings. And unless you've probably got a thyroid issue or something like that, you'll lose weight. And of course, this is oversimplifying a lot of those theories, of course, but, and, and also it's not discounting that this works really well for many people who have that physical issue. But for those of us who have dieted for years and we've really struggled with our mindset and we've struggled with an emotional eating response, this can leave us searching outside of ourselves for the answer again and again, just not recognizing that our brain has also got a very important role in weight loss. You know, we start to wonder do I need to get my hormones tested? Do I have a food sensitivity? Is there some superfood that I haven't found yet that is going to help me on this journey? You know, am I getting these cravings because I am missing some kind of nutrient? You know, why is it that I keep eating more and more? And and we often look around outside of ourselves and think, you know, what's wrong with, with me? Why do I need to eat more than others? You know, why am I craving these foods when others aren't craving them? And as I say, this approach is great, but I believe it's limited. It doesn't take care of the mindset as well. And when we put it together with the mindset, we can see that, you know, if we're digesting well and absorbing well, that's, you know, and our thyroid is functioning beautifully. That's all well and good. But if we're still turning to chocolate to feel better when we're emotional premenstrually, that isn't going to help us on our weight loss journey. And if we're feeling stressed in the afternoon or bored at work and we still reach for the tea and biscuits, we know that we haven't broken that habit yet. So even though you're eating all the great whole foods, superfoods, and you're doing all the right things physically, if you haven't broken those habits, 
then that is going to hold you back on your weight loss journey. So for me, after having tried all the diets and then training in natural health, you know, nutrition, naturopathy, practicing as a practitioner, I finally got it. There's more going on. And there was more going on with my weight loss journey. The mindset piece was so important. It was the missing piece that I hadn't seen for a long, long time. And I was so used to eating out of habit. I was so eating, used to eating as a response to an emotion that I didn't want to feel that it was all happening very subconsciously. So now when I look back, I can have a lot of compassion because I couldn't even consciously see why I was doing this. So of course I wouldn't know. And I hadn't been exposed to some of the work, some of the books that I've been reading, you know, some of the training courses that I've done. It was very much physical what I was doing at that point in time. So now understanding what's going on in the brain has helped me so much and it helps my clients as well when I help them to realize that there's nothing wrong with us, that everything that's going on in our bodies is very normal. We don't need to beat ourselves up for not having enough discipline because our brains and our bodies were designed to do this. It's kind of like a toddler running around with a knife. It just needs a bit of supervision. And this came up recently for a client who has started her weight loss journey. She's been going through some very big stuff in her life. So of course she's going to eat emotionally sometimes. This is her habit that she's had for the vast majority of her life. She has always turned to food to soothe emotions. So she's had a bit of an emotional upset that's happened recently. And although she started out on her weight loss journey, knowing that her brain has the role in weight loss as well, and fully understanding some of the stuff that we're going to talk about today, when she started having an emotional response recently and eating chocolate again, she found herself judging and beating herself up. Like I'm, we started our coaching session yesterday with her saying that she needs to find her control again and all of her her self-control, her discipline was gone. She couldn't understand what was going on. And she was really beating herself up. Like my chocolate cravings have come back. You know, why am I doing this? And so I touched upon a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about now with her to remind her that this is just really normal. What's going on in our brain when we are craving foods, when we are craving certain foods and we, we are returning to old habits It's very, very subconscious and it's really normal. So when we can see what's going on, we can have much more objective view of it. We don't need to beat ourselves up. We don't need to, you know, tell ourselves that we don't have enough discipline. We don't need to blame ourselves for what's going on. We can just see what's happened as a very normal response and then we can move on. And we can think about how we want to do it differently in the future because the more awareness we have of what's going on in our brain, the more we're going to catch it in future and not eat the chocolate when we feel an emotion. It's just a process over time of noticing what's going on. So one of the things that's really interesting about the brain, I think, is that we have uh, this this kind of uh, concept called the motivational triad, which talks about how our brain and the reason why we do certain things is basically designed to keep us alive. It's super intelligent. You know, we don't want to not have this because this is what's helped us to get to where we are as a human race today. We've evolved with a brain that was designed for survival. It motivates us to act and to behave in the world in order to help us survive as a species. 
So we're going to seek pleasure, we're going to avoid pain, and we're going to conserve energy. These are the three different aspects of the motivational triad. So it can help us to understand why we do the things that we do. And when we look at it in the context of food and eating, we can really see that quite often we're seeking pleasure in food because our brain is designed that way. We're avoiding emotional pain. We're emotionally eating because our brain is designed to do that. We don't want to feel that stress and that pain. And also we might go for the really quick and easy option. We're conserving energy. This served us really well in ancient times. Back in the caveman days, these were really, really important because we needed to leave the cave, the warmth and the safety of the cave to go and find food that would help us survive. So that was, you know, seeking pleasure. We're looking for the nice tasting food. We're looking for the berries that might have a bit of the fructose, the sugar in. You know, we're looking for the nuts and the roots. We're seeking, you know, that pleasure through the taste of food because that was telling us that that is important for survival. Our brain is wired to understand that when we got pleasure from those foods, it was really important for survival. It was really key. And so we'd keep seeking more pleasure. Our brain understood, yeah, this is great for survival. Let's do more of it. And so what happens is that we get pleasure hormones that flood our brain when that happens. And we get dopamine hits. And it tells our brain that this is really, really good and we should do more of it. But we also avoid pain. So back in the caveman day, they would be perhaps avoiding pain by not hurting themselves repeatedly, not doing something that would hurt themselves over and over again. If they cut themselves, if they touch something hot, put their hand in the fire, they're not just going to sit there with their hand in the fire, not do anything about it. That's going to cause an injury that could be life-threatening. So, you know, this is really smart stuff in terms of our survival mechanism. We don't want pain. We don't want to inadvertently hurt ourselves. We don't want to risk injury. So we're going to avoid pain. And in the context of eating, sometimes this shows up as emotional eating. We avoid the pain of emotional um, of the emotion. And so we eat to soothe that. It gives us the pleasure. It gives us the hit of the dopamine. And then we also have conserving energy in the motivational triad. So we try and take the easiest option. We try and save our energy physically and mentally because we might need it later on if there's a famine, if there's something going on. We need that energy to get away. We need that energy to, um, to continue survival if there's a shortage in food. We need to be programmed to conserve our energy. So we go for the easiest option quite often. You know, why would you walk five five miles to go and find and forage for some nuts and some berries and some roots when there might be something available, a tree available right outside of your cave, right? You know, so you're going to be programmed to conserve energy. Why would you go that extra distance, perhaps unless there's something extremely pleasurable about it? And because maybe that's an even bigger um, thing for our survival to go that further distance. But if there isn't that motivation, then of course, you're just going to go straight outside the cave door and get something easy. And if we translate that into the modern world, it probably looks like us just going and getting the convenience food, getting the takeaway, getting the, um, 
uh, the ready meals that we can just put in the oven or put in the microwave, right? You know, so this is genius stuff. Our brain is built to survive. It is built to help us survive. It's not programmed to, to help us do things that are going to inhibit our survival. But in modern times, it really needs a lot more supervision. And I sometimes hear people um, talk about it as like, you know, your brain is like a toddler running around with a knife. It just needs supervision. Because we live in a modern world where we have solved some of the basics where, you know, well, for many of us at least, okay, when we're living in a place where we have got access to shelter, we've got access to warmth, we've got access to water and to food, you know, very easily for the vast majority of us living in the Western world. So this doesn't serve us so well in these times. It, it's kind of like we need to supervise the toddler that's running around with a knife because we're bombarded with easy access to many, many foods. We're also bombarded with processed foods, which are literally engineered to have the greatest impact of pleasure in our mind. They're engineered to make our taste buds go crazy. So we get this massive flood of dopamine when we eat some of these things. And our brain's response to that is, this is the most important thing for survival. We need to do more of that. This is a very normal response. You know, so if we've got this ready and easy supply of food and these processed foods give, give us a massive hit of, of pleasure, we're seeing advertisements everywhere reminding us that all of these things are available and they're really easy. They might just be up the road or a car ride away. Or maybe you've already bought them and they're in the fridge just right there, ready to go. You know, we are going to need to supervise our brain in this point of time and understand that, of course, we're going to want to seek that pleasure. Our brain thinks that's that that is the most important thing right now for survival. However, when we use our higher brain and take a step back and think about it, a little bit more in the context of what we're looking to create in our life and what really genuinely serves us, we then get to decide, do you know what? Actually, I know that I'm going to get a temporary hit of pleasure, a massive hit of pleasure from eating that chocolate, which has been engineered to do that, by the way. You know, so if I know that that is going to happen and that my brain is going to want to do more and more of it because it thinks it's the most important thing for survival, I get to decide whether or not that is the right action for me at that point in time. I get to understand what's happening in my brain and I don't need to judge the fact that I've craved it in the first place and that I want more of it afterwards. I don't need to judge myself for that because my brain was designed to do this. So this is the beauty of looking at it in this context. The other thing we're doing from a motivational triad point of view is quite often we're avoiding pain. We're avoiding pain because we don't know how to process pain. It can feel very uncomfortable for us to have a negative emotion. And so for many of us, we turn to foods, especially these processed foods that give us this massive hit of pleasure, this massive hit of false and temporary pleasure, because that takes us out of the emotion for that moment in time. So we don't feel it for that moment in time. However, it's still there. It's underneath the surface. It's still festering. So we're not really solving the problem long term, but we can see from the motivational triads point of view, if we don't have any other tools and any other capacity to actually process and shift through this emotion 
And we are the kind of person that chooses to emotionally eat at these points in time. We're probably going to go back to that old habit and that old pattern. So that's what was happening with my client. She's She had a big emotion going on. She's got grief. She's got worry going on. She goes and buys a chocolate. She starts eating the chocolate. And then she starts thinking, what the hell is going on with me? This is what I used to do. I don't do this anymore. And then she's judging herself, forgetting the cravings again. But all that's happening is that her motivational triad has sparked up in her mind again. And she's wanting more pleasure. She's wanting to avoid that pain. And she's wanting more and more false pleasure, temporary pleasure, because her brain is programmed like that. So it was really great to just touch in and see how this is playing out again and again. And when we keep reminding ourselves that this is all happening subconsciously, we're slipping back into old habits. This is all the way our brain is programmed to run. And we just need to supervise it a bit in this modern day and age. It brings us to a really powerful place where we don't need to judge ourselves and we don't need to blame ourselves for what's going on. However, we can make a conscious decision about going forward and how we want to handle that in the future. And the final thing when it comes to our brain's response and how we're how it kind of plays out in weight loss is how habits and conditioned responses come in. And this really plays into, you know, the really genius part of our brain when it comes to conserving energy, because our brain learns how to do things and we don't have to think about it consciously every time. If you think about maybe if you ride a bike, how you learn to ride a bike, you don't need to think about that every time you get on a bike. If you drive a car, you don't need to think about how you need to use the clutch and the brakes and how you change the gears every time. Your brain has learned how to do that. It's filed away all of that knowledge and it's just serving it up as something you know how to do. You just don't even need to think about it. Well, it's the same with habits and conditioned responses. We are going to find that there are certain triggers and certain habits that come up for us that get us craving different foods you know we might have a trigger like a certain time of the day we've developed a habit over time of having food or drink at a certain time of the day and so if you've ever found yourself wanting to eat or drink because it's a certain time maybe you're in a certain place maybe with you're with a certain friend and you've come to associate doing or eating or drinking certain things with a certain person, you'll find that these cravings come back. So again, if we can step back from the judgment, step back from the blame and the guilt and just think about what's going on here. Do I have a habit? Is there something going on where I often do this? These patterns keep coming up. We can then see how this is a bit of a habit that my brain has filed away. I'm conserving energy. I mean, it's actually quite genius that our brains work like this. And when we can see it for what it is and we can start to deprogram it, we can start to reprogram and start to choose and foster those habits that really serve us. And so it does take a bit of manual work at the start because we have to like manually override what our brain is doing. And this is where some of the work comes in with the coaching that I do because I keep bringing people back to some of these these teachings and these concepts like this is what's going on in our brain. There's nothing wrong here. You know, this is a habit that, that's coming up with. We're looking at reprogramming this. Let's manually practice this override and then your brain is going to learn how to do it and it's going to file that information away and it's going to become a new habit eventually. But it just takes a little bit of manual effort at the start. So this is what I wanted to share with you today, all about the brain and 
its role in weight loss and, and how I feel it's so important to, to kind of marry that up with doing all the right things in terms of the food that we're eating and the lifestyle and, you know, what we're doing with, you know, exercise and moving our body. It's, you know, that's one part, but there's this whole mindset piece that comes in. And when, and understanding this at the start isn't really everything because it comes up continually through the journey. We slip back into diet mentality. We slip back into having cravings. We slip back into old habits. And then we need to just come back and revisit this knowledge and just see, ah, this is what's happening. This is how it's playing out. Nothing's gone wrong. So that's what I've got for you today on the brain's role in weight loss. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. You can get in touch with me through my website at kerrydwilliams.com and I would love to hear from you. Have a wonderful week and I will speak to you soon. If you enjoyed this episode, then I invite you to check out my five steps to stop overeating training. You can go to my website, kerrydwilliams.com forward slash five steps, and that's the number five, then steps. And you can sign up for this five day series. So in this series, I'm going to guide you step by step through a process so that you can create a foundation to put in place to break that pattern of overeating and start losing weight for the last time. So if you would like to go deeper with everything we talk about on this podcast, then this is the first step. You can go to my website, kerrydwilliams.com forward slash five steps to access the training. And that is spelled K-E-R-I-D-Williams.com. I look forward to seeing you on the training.